The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to episode 24 of Some Assembly Required, your weekly adventure into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. This week, we're going to be taking a look at Avengers number 22, The Road Back. This issue is written by Stan Lee, pencils by Don Heck, inks by Wally Wood, and letters by Art Simic, and it comes to us in November of 1965. Starting off with the cover, I really like this cover. It's very well done. My issue with the cover, though, is that it is extremely Captain America-centric. We'll actually find out most of the issue is very Cap-centric. I don't know how well that works for me for the team book, especially where the team is at this particular moment. But again, it's a very, very good cover done by Jack Kirby and Wally Wood. Now, while I may not have been overly thrilled with the cover, this first splash page is just fantastic. Yeah, the art is just spectacular here, especially the inking. I love all of the detail in and around Scarlet Witch's hair. It just looks so cool. Hawkeye, who usually looks a little too dark, too heavily shaded for my tastes, looks very good here. Even Cap in the background looks really, really crisp and sharp. Probably the only drawback here is that Quicksilver is almost effectively off-page. That's okay, but it would have been nice to get the whole team on board. Now, speaking of getting the whole team on board, this issue picks up pretty well where last issue left off. City Council has declared that the Avengers are a public menace, and City Council has actually sought a court order preventing the Avengers from doing what they do. We find the Avengers discussing what is going on. Cap kind of opens up with saying he thinks Power Man couldn't have possibly planned everything that happened to them in last issue. Because if you remember, they fell into a, a number of traps that were set to make them look bad. Cap is convinced that Power Man couldn't possibly have come up with this all on his own and that he had to have had help. And the rest of the Avengers are saying, so what? Who cares? We are done. It's over. Now, I don't agree with Cap on this. Obviously, we know that Power Man had help. But how does Captain America know that? This is the first time they've been introduced to Power Man. So they have no previous history on which to base his abilities, his capabilities on. So what's to say that Power Man isn't capable of everything that's happened on his own without Enchantress's help? Again, we know that that's not true, but how does Captain America? Cap is also really upset that the rest of the Avengers have basically said, it's done. We lost. The team has to break up. We're not happy about it, but the courts have ruled against us here. Instead of helping the situation, Cap tries to give them a motivational speech, and it's anything but helpful. I understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to rally the team together to figure out this problem. But instead of getting them motivated and getting them to get their heads back in the game and focus on the problem instead of, oh no, we're, we've been told we have to disband, Cap really comes off as holier than thou. At one point, he says, I never could stomach a bunch of quitters. Then he asks, Scarlet Witch, how did you ever become an Avenger? I understand he's, he's trying to push them and trying to get them kind of riled up, but really he's just coming off as kind of an ass. It's not helping because, for starters, one of the traps that the Avengers fell into was basically only Captain America, and it was a pretty substantial one. Cap's holier thou attitude is kind of not justified there, but also, you know, the team has been kind of butting heads with Cap in general since the new members joined the team. Cap's attitude towards them isn't 
any kind of drive for them to stay and to continue being part of the team. It gets bad enough that Quicksilver and Cap actually come to blows over this, especially after Cap insults Wanda specifically. At that point, after Hawkeye has broken up the fight, the three new Avengers basically just walk out. We're done. Cap's guilt starts coming back. I mentioned it before. That's really the influence of the other Avengers creeping into this book. And, and here it is again. Cap starts thinking Iron Man and Giant Man and Thor. How can I face them again? Of course, he leaves out Wasp because this is the 1960s and stupid. But Captain America is very concerned with he was left this legacy. You know, look what I've done with it. Interestingly enough, it's not just the legacy of the Avengers. It's also the legacy of Captain America. Cap basically says, you know, maybe I should have just not come back. Maybe I should have just stayed in the past because I don't know that as a person I can live up to the legend that Captain America has become in the last 20 years. Captain America is a big war hero. And with that comes all those stories that are blown out of proportion or exaggerated. By the time Cap gets back, what the perception of Captain America is blown significantly out of proportion and bears very little resemblance to the reality of Captain America, I think. Steve is starting to feel that. So while Cap is off trying to figure out what he's doing with himself the rest of the avengers are off trying to get jobs kind of weirdly here the rest of the avengers are trying to get jobs but they're doing so only in entertainment and only in costume hawkeye tries to get a job with the ed sullivan show quicksilver goes to uh some kind of entertainment agent scarlet witch auditions for a show everything they're doing is show business related all in costume with, with the exception of wanda hawkeye and quicksilver both show up in costume i kind of just wonder why are they doing that i mean i get that they all have either entertainment aspirations or background right hawkeye was a circus performer pietro we've seen before is very interested in the circus and wanda dreams of being an actress so i'm not saying that these things are out of character but at least to start wouldn't you think like a plain clothes kind of day job would at least be a better idea to start with right obviously it's not going to be as fulfilling or glamorous or rewarding as being an avenger or being in the entertainment industry but it's at least a job like it's not that they can't find jobs it's they can't find jobs in entertainment now as the avengers are attempting to get themselves new jobs word travels to the circus of crime that they are looking for work now the circus of crime being a previous spider-man villain is basically a circus in which all of the members are kind of twisted versions of what you would think of as normal circus performers they put on a show ringmaster hypnotizes the crowd and then they rob the crowd that's their shtick and they are all just out from prison after being put away as we see in the editorial notes but in spider-man number 22 so they, they are recently released criminals like most criminals in the marvel universe and you know to some extent a lot of criminals in real life they go back to their old ways right away and they are looking to hire the avengers because they think that with you know the avengers kind of black mark on their record and with their abilities that the Avengers will fit in perfectly with the Circus of Crime. It's not unreasonable if you don't know the, the Avengers. These three individuals are still looking to be heroes. That's still their intention. It's still what they want to be. It's that they have worked themselves into a situation where that's an untenable position at the moment. As the Circus of Crime will find out here very shortly, the Avengers' morals and the Circus of Crime's intentions aren't going to mix very well. So after sending Wanda, Pietro, and Hawkeye a an invitation to join the circus, the trio come, and Ringmaster fills them in on their plan, and when they don't agree, he attempts to hypnotize them. Only... 
Quicksilver is far too fast to be hypnotized. I realize that sounds goofy. What I really mean is that Quicksilver is able to outrun the Ringmaster's spinning disc. So it starts to spin, he runs away and doesn't have to look at it. At this point, we get a, a nice little fight between the Circus of Crime and the Avengers. Now, the Circus is thoroughly outmatched. They have the Avengers outnumbered, but the Avengers have the significant advantage in training and just general ability. Several members of the Circus of Crime are really no more than advanced kind of goons, whereas all three of the Avengers are A, highly trained, and, you know, B, have some kind of advanced ability or power. Now, one of the things that is cool about this fight is that we get to see Scarlet Witch kind of chaining a bunch of her hexes together. Some kind of clown who's coming up after Quicksilver, and first she snares him in a rope, and she makes him fall on this, like a like one of those balls people sit on at their at their desk. I don't know, like an exercise ball. There we go. And then she pops it and sends him flying off, and then starts fighting Princess Python. Oh, that's a, such that's such a great name. It's so terrible, but it is not. And she uses her hex powers to set off a water hose and knock princess python back she's got a nice chain of hexes going together that don't backfire and injure her teammates so of course the avengers are winning this fight ringmaster decides to go for what's really kind of an abnormal or an unusual strategy especially for a convicted criminal in that he calls the police and says hey the avengers are attacking us now you know i don't know what's going on here with the police but this part's a little weird from to me but you have a known criminal calling and saying the avengers are attacking you i understand the avengers you know have had have some issues going on right now and that city hall has gotten a court order that forbids them from doing what they do but you have known criminals making this phone call my first question would be like okay so the avengers are doing something they're not supposed to be doing why are they doing it to you it just feels like the cops are a little too willing to accept ringmaster's description of events and for them to go after the avengers i am really glad to see that hawkeye uses something other than a blast arrow Last issue, I was complaining he uses blast arrows a little too much. Well, this issue, he uses some kind of smoke. Is a smoke arrow or a, a gas kind of arrow? I think it's actually a smoke arrow. It's a little hard to tell with the coloring because the, the smoke is green. And that's usually a, like a, a sleeping gas or something in comic books. But it's nice to see that Hawkeye uses something other than a blast arrow and that he doesn't use a blast arrow against the police. Like that, that would be a really bad decision on his part. At this point, we see the effects of the Avengers breaking up that the Avengers being kind of on the outside of the law has on the Marvel Universe as a whole. Obviously, the Mighty Marvel Press Corps is at it, at it again. We see a couple of kids fighting over uh, the Avengers. One kid's wearing an Avengers shirt. One kid's wearing a Fantastic Four shirt. And the kid wearing a, the Avengers shirt is trying to argue that the Avengers will be proven innocent. And, you know, he's sticking up for his heroes, which gotta like that. And then we actually see a, a police car and we see an interaction between two police officers inside the car saying, you know, they've been tracking down a bunch of phony leads. But, you know, I really hope that we don't have to bring the Avengers in. I don't I hate the thought of actually putting the Avengers under arrest. And then in the middle of this page, we get a narration basically says people all over the world 
are asking where are the original Avengers and why don't they come back to take take over? We get an explanation of where the Avengers are, at least the, the major three. So Iron Man is off in Tales of Suspense number 72. He has just gotten back from fighting Titanium Man when he is attacked by an android being operated by the Thinker. So he is spending this time fighting off this android and fighting the thinker. Thor is returning to Asgard, it says, for his greatest battle. Thor was fighting Absorbing Man for a little while, and then Absorbing Man was teleported back to Asgard. So Thor is returning to Asgard to fight the Absorbing Man and hopefully save Asgard from being taken over by Loki once again. Another interesting part of that story is that Thor is also dealing with a reporter who managed to get a photo of him transforming back into Donald Blake. He's attempting to blackmail Thor. And then Giant Man is nowhere to be found. Literally, Stan says, your guess is as good as ours. And as far as Hank Pym goes, this is kind of an interesting little spot in his publication history. So for a while, Giant Man has been splitting tales to astonish with the Hulk, starting with issue number... 70. The title is no longer split between Giant Man and Hulk, but it's split between Submariner and Hulk. Giant Man doesn't have a book of his own, and we won't see for a little while until the Submariner story in Tales to Astonish 77 and 78 that Giant Man has been off doing some research and causing problems and some earthquakes that the Submariner is investigating. And in the not too distant future, now that he doesn't have a book of his own, Giant Man and Wasp will be returning to the Avengers. So here I feel like bringing up the original Avengers is really Marvel's response to readers asking that question. In this particular case, they couch it in the guise of the Marvel Universe asking it, but it seems like they're really just answering a question that the readers had and basically telling us that the other Avengers are just super busy. So as the Marvel Universe wonders what is going on, there are two people who know exactly what is going on, and that is Power Man and Enchantress because they orchestrated the whole thing. We return to New York to see them discussing what they're going to be doing moving forward. And we also start to see a deepening of that romantic subplot I mentioned last issue. Power Man obviously has got a thing for Enchantress. And Enchantress is starting to wonder, you know, I don't really go for mortals, but maybe. She said, does he really think I could ever care for a mortal? And yet there is something about him. The way he carries himself, his pride. Just as she is having these thoughts, there's a knock on the door. In comes a press agent, really a publicist. He offers to help Power Man and Enchantress form a new team. Obviously, the Avengers are done. They have a perfect opportunity to fill a gap. The Avengers having left, now there is room for a new team of superheroes. And he thinks that Power Man and Enchantress are just the people to start that team with. Now, of course, this gets me thinking of Thunderbolts. No, not General Thunderbolt Ross. Thunderbolts from the 1990s. Let's just be honest, it's a dark era of comic books. But a future generation of the Master of Evil will disguise themselves as a team of superheroes known as the Thunderbolts when the Avengers disappear during Heroes Reborn. And as it turns out, Power Man will actually be one of those members under the name of Atlas. And if you haven't read any of those early issues of Thunderbolts, they're actually really good. I just called the, the 90s a dark era of comics because they are. Thunderbolts, it's very of its time in terms of the art. You know, there's a lot of pouches. It's just, it's a thing. At the same time, Thunderbolts is filling the gap when the Avengers go off during Heroes Reborn. Well, Heroes Reborn is the really awful Avengers run written by Rob Liefeld. It is a dark time, especially for the Avengers. But Thunderbolts is a really good read. And 
this kind of makes me think of that because they're talking about taking a couple of villains and forming a team to take the place of the Avengers. I don't know if this is where the idea of Thunderbolts came from. You know, I'd be hesitant to think that something this old, relatively obscure, I mean, obviously the Avengers aren't obscure, but one conversation out of off of one page out of one issue of Avengers doesn't necessarily strike me as the driving force behind an entire comic book series. Now, if this were Chris Claremont, absolutely buy that because Chris Claremont is known for playing that kind of long game. This isn't Chris Claremont, this is Stanley. So probably not. But at any rate, the publicist offers to help Enchantress and Power Man form a new superhero team. Of course, Enchantress goes, oh, I never thought of that. That's a great idea. And the publicist says, well, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm really good at this stuff. I'm the one who broke up the Avengers in the first place. And of course, Power Man and, Chan and Enchantress go, no. Power Man then proceeds to spill the beans to this total stranger. He explains everything they did to the Avengers. And that was probably a mistake because our publicist turns out to be Captain America in disguise. Inside the publicist's briefcase is a good old-fashioned reel-to-reel tape recorder. Thank God I don't have to use that anymore. I've got a nice little digital recorder here on my setup to record this podcast for all of your enjoyment. I would be really, really frustrated if I had to do this on a reel-to-reel. -reel. So thank God for not 1960s technology. So now that Captain America has revealed himself, he has to get out of there with the tape so that he can clear the Avengers name. Only, fairly obviously, Power Man and Enchantress aren't going to let that happen. We get a great fight between Captain America and Power Man. Only this time, Enchantress isn't interfering. Not really. She attempts to dull Cap's powers again, but this time Cap is aware Enchantress is there, so he manages to position Power Man between the two of them and prevent her from getting what is effectively a, a clear shot at him. Captain America really owns Power Man here. Last time, Captain America took a pretty substantial beating at the hands of Power Man. Because Power Man is stronger and more resilient than Captain America. That's part of the nature of his abilities. Having said that, he's not the fighter that Captain America is. It required Enchantress to dull Cap's abilities in order for Power Man to really clobber Cap the way he did. Now that Cap is fighting at full strength, full ability, Cap is certainly doing some harm here and is the definite, I'm going to say winner, but he's the definite favorite in this fight. The other thing here is that Cap's goal is not to defeat Power Man. Cap's goal is to get away. Right, he doesn't need to defeat Power Man to reunite the Avengers and to get the information he has out. All he needs to do is get away and deliver the tapes to City Council to get them to undo their decision. That's what Cap starts doing. And again, it works very well for him because he can slow down Power Man really well. The odds of him alone defeating Power Man aren't very good, so he doesn't try to. We also get a good example of Cap being kind of the master tactician that he is. Power Man thinks to himself, I'm not going to go through the door because that's the obvious choice. I'm going to come barreling through the wall and get Cap. And Power Man comes crashing through the wall, immediately gets clobbered by Cap's shield. And Cap says, I could hear you coming 50 feet away. Cap knew what the obvious choice was and was aware that anyone who's thinking isn't going to go for the obvious choice. So Cap thinks those extra couple steps ahead and is ready for him. I also really like this fight because we see how high energy and acrobatic Cap's fighting 
fighting style is. Constantly leaping or swinging from something or just flying through the air. And it's really fun to read. It's high energy. It's great action. Now, unfortunately, like I said, Cap is not a match for Power Man. Because he didn't get himself away quite soon enough, Power Man gets the upper hand and knocks Captain America out. Power Man decides that he is going to show off a little bit to Enchantress and he picks up Cap and starts taking Cap back into the room where they were just standing. I love this panel because Power Man carrying Captain America really reminds me of Rocky carrying Frankenfurter at the end of Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, I realize that's just kind of a me thing, but I appreciate it. So Power Man enters the room with Captain America, only to find Enchantress laying on the floor, and suddenly Hawkeye has his arrow drawn at Power Man. I don't exactly know why Hawkeye just doesn't shoot Power Man, but he doesn't, and Power Man throws Captain America at Hawkeye. I don't know, it seems like a fair trade. Last time he threw a table at Hawkeye, this is smaller and might weigh less? This time he manages to make solid contact as opposed to with a table. Power Man's doing fine until Quicksilver comes running in. So Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Hawkeye are all working together to take out Power Man. They kind of fight him to a standstill, at which point Enchantress decides she's done. She's going to leave the scene, which given her powers and in terms of her ability to fight and her ability to run away makes sense. But Power Man has really just been fighting to impress enchantress right he's doing it because he wants her when she says i'm out I'm, I'm not doing this. It really takes the fight out of Power Man, and he gives up. When the fighting stops, Scarlet Witch says, quickly, this is our chance. And Power Man just responds, relax, lady. The fight's over. Without her, what have I got to fight for? The battle is over. The only thing really left to do here is tie up a couple of the loose ends. Captain America delivers the reel-to-reel tape to the police. City Council, not only do they you know, rescind the court order, but they also declare Avengers Day, which is a recurring holiday we will actually see throughout the Marvel Universe. The issue wraps up with the Avengers assuming they're getting back together, and uh, Quicksilver actually says, Looks like you saved the day, Steve. We'll let bygones be bygones. And Captain America says, Guess again, Avenger. And Cap drops a huge bomb here. Cap says he's leaving the team. He's had enough of the new members. He's out of here. And that's where we're going to leave the Avengers this week with Captain America leaving the team. So one last thought before I get into my my general thoughts about the issue as a whole. I really appreciate the ending of this book. It is very abrupt. The fight stops without much excitement. But unlike previous issues where I've complained about pacing problems, this issue doesn't have that problem here at the end. Right? Given the subplot that they've built up between Enchantress and Power Man, the ending of this fight makes sense where he gives up based on the fact that she's taking off. He's really only fighting for her. So her departure takes the fight out of him. Yes, it makes for an abrupt ending, but I don't mind abrupt as long as it fits the story and it's not merely done for the sake of page count. Overall, as I mentioned at the beginning, this is a very Cap-centric book. I think it's alright to have issues that focus on an individual character, but when the issue is basically focused on a single character, the rest of the team still needs to be involved more than the rest of the Avengers were in this issue. Up until the end fight here and the beginning argument, the rest of the Avengers were really relegated to inconsequential B-plot. The story that they were involved with had nothing to do with the story that Captain America was involved 
with. And Captain America's is really the driving story going through between issues. Captain America's following up on the plot line that was left off from last issue and is driving the one that's going to lead into next issue. We've also seen this to an extent over the last several issues where the book is being a little too heavy on Captain America, right? He got the major fight with Swordsman. He's had two of the major fights with Power Man. He's taken the lead and a lot of the focus in several of the other issues and and the fights before that. Over the next couple of issues, this dynamic is actually going to reverse a little bit and that that Cap is going to be the secondary character. I think that their balance is a a little off at this point. Now, when it comes to art in this book, this is some of the best art I've seen so far in this series. Just hands down. From Don Heck, we have seen either books with a number of very strong standout panels, or we have seen books with very strong, consistent art all the way through. I think this is the first issue we've seen that has the extremely consistent art in addition to the standout panels. Because of the improvement in the pacing in the end of the book, I really think that Don Heck's mastery of his craft is considerably improving as the run on this book is going on. And also, I mean, let's give a little bit of credit where where credit is due. Wally Wood's inking on this book, the last three issues, has been really spectacular. Unfortunately, this is the last issue that we will have Wally Wood as an inker. But, you know, that's just kind of the way things work out. We will be fortunate that next issue we will have John Romita a senior as the anchor, but it's Wally Wood. It's hard to be that good. So as a bit of a side note, there is a GoFundMe available right now that is supporting Peter David. So for anyone who doesn't know, Peter David is a very longtime Marvel Comics writer. He has written a very good run on Hulk, and he is responsible for a significant portion of X-Factor. Specifically the, not most recent, but the previous run, the X-Factor Investigations run in the late 2000s, which is a very, very, very good comic book run. Peter David has been through a few rough times. Actually, during that X-Factor investigation run, Peter David had a pretty substantial stroke. Uh, he has thankfully recovered from that stroke, and is I've, I have actually seen him since. Looks like he made a full recovery. Long story short, Peter David uh, has found himself in some financial problems owing to the IRS and a few things that happened many, many years ago involving both his personal and professional life. He, he goes more into detail on the actual GoFundMe page, but comic artists and comic writers really, you know, they give us a lot in terms of their time and effort, their commitment to the stories and the characters we love. Peter David in particular is certainly a personal favorite, generally speaking, very much a, a fan favorite and someone who is been very friendly and and receptive to the fan community. So if you have a few dollars to spare, uh, I I would definitely ask that you consider donating to help Mr. David. Remember, you can find us at AvengersAssembly.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, send your questions and comments to Andrew at AvengersAssembly.com. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at Avengers number 23, Once an Avenger. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. Have you ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it.